Um, you should use a condom before you listen. The American dream is dead. John Lyle, L.A. Lloyd, and Drew Bennett, Beaver Kool-Aid. Yummy. A yummy. Hey. I didn't know who was going to pick it up first and uh, run with it, but uh, I'm glad John did. I was just going to sit back and see who grabbed it. The yummy. Yeah, I'm trying to, to I'm trying to reawaken myself. I just went through a two-hour orchestra recital. Six different orchestras. Wow. Middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What grade yeah. is Charlie in now? Kelly. Charlie. Who's that? Charlie. Oh, Charlie. I thought you said Kelly. No, I, Charlie. I don't know. I have so many kids, I can't keep up with them. I just have numbers. Um, How about that fourth kid? Grade, but it's her second year in orchestra. But she's in the junior varsity orchestra. Then there's the varsity orchestra. Then there's the honors orchestra. And uh, they don't switch quickly. It takes a while. They all tune up up there on stage. And then bit by bit, we, we finally get there on the tunes but i thought that was uh i've done my penance is she, is she uh is she string is she reed is she uh you know is she oboe cello 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 is yeah, a good instrument that is i got a question for you it's all strings is she is she uh is she of the age where the cellos and the violins sound good or is she of the age where they still sound like nails on a chalkboard you got it that's the one. That's the one. Sorry to yeah. hear that. Strings are tough. I remember when my adult son was in middle school. Their band, I went to see a Christmas concert and they kicked ass. Because I was in middle school band, but of course, you know, I suck. But they were awesome. But band is different than strings. It's a lot It's a lot tougher, strings are. Yeah. So yeah. it takes a while till you get to that point where it's not nails on the chalkboard. That's a while. Yes. A, a long while, a long, long while oh, before you're before you're ready to uh, hit the stage with Kansas. You know, so, <laughs> takes a while. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, you know, when they get to uh, invite those uh, string uh, players there to come in with Trans-Siberian Orchestra, she'll be up there, you know, above the crowds. Maybe she'll move over to violin at that point, you know, just rocking it out, wearing the... Uh, you know, the uh, the rock clothing that they wear for Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and you can sit down there. And, of course, and you have to master that that uh, that look where wherever yeah. you're playing hurts you. Right, that's exactly right. As if you're hanging right. on to high voltage. You got to make that rock face. Yeah, you got to. You ha- that's essential. <laughs> got to buy a couple of corsets. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> corsets and leather pants. Yeah. So out of... <laughs> Six orchestras. My daughter's the only one that we're, they're all supposed to wear black, black slacks, black tops, black shoes. My daughter has striped pants on. Yeah. Only she's one a, out of she's six She's a little orchestras. rebel. She's a little rebel. That's what she said. But uh, I got to tell you, it looks like they are getting them uh, ready for Trans-Siberian Orchestra if they're doing the all black, man. I'm telling you, they're, they're setting them up. God, I can't stand Trans-Siberian oh, Orchestra. Oh, dude. I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I don't Something think I'm alone it. on that. I, mean, oh, I know I they've got it. a couple of fans. But I listen, I could go through an entire holiday season with never hearing that. It is the like a tradition for our family. Of. We have literally gone to San Antonio, then Austin, back to San Antonio. We just went to see the one this past year. I mean, it's kind of a holiday tradition for us. I love it. So, they call you, what do they call you? Trans heads? What do they call you? They call me transgender. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I just have a feeling that Lou just is trans fans. <laughs> You're trans fans. <laughs> that Drew just insulted your entire family culture. He did. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. How dare you? Know, you? Right, years ago, I poked fun at Santa on the wall, and uh, hey, <laughs> it comes right he back. Got a little defensive, and now he's just going for the yeah. The call you a bunch of trannies. A bunch of, yeah. A bunch of trannies. They like Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Well, I do <laughs> applaud you, John, for uh, for sitting through that, man. I've I've sat through many, but mine have all been, uh, I've only done a couple of uh, orchestras there, but um, mine have predominantly been choir. And even at, you know, small, middle age, they can usually pull off choir pretty well. But like mm-hmm. you said, when you start that string, man, first couple of years, it's like, yeah, uh, oh, it's, ah. it's a tough one. Yeah. It is. What, did you, guys, what did you guys play when you were young? Uh, I did the trumpet. I did trumpet, French horn and baritone horn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kept changing instruments because I like, you know, I kept trying to find something where I was the only person playing it so I could be first chair. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up playing triangle. <laughs> John's a hell of a triangle player. There's two different kinds of trumpets. There's a cornet. Yeah. And then there's the trumpet, which is a longer horn. Right. And I had a, you know, a hand-me-down horn uh, that we couldn't tell if it was a trumpet or a cornet. Maybe so you my, couldn't tell. Like, well, my, <laughs> one short, I mean, one's maybe long. I maybe I didn't have the best music teacher. But yeah, she called yeah, it a crumpet. Yeah. <laughs> that was the name of my Oh my God! Did yeah, I mean, you? You can, uh, yeah, visibly you see whether or not it's a cornet or a trumpet. I mean, it's pretty easy. But I guess if yours was finally crafted years ago in the backyard, as someone dismantled their still and then <laughs> tried to use the tubing for something, then uh, maybe it would have been tough to identify. The way yeah, you can you tell, train. the way you can tell is if if you play Chuck Mangione feels so good and it sounds pristine, you got the cornet. Because I'm sure you played that a couple of times. I know Lyle did. No, no, no. Well, you, yeah, on the radio I did. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I played it in band. band. That was way after I was in oh, band. Okay. We, were, we were doing things like Saturday in the Park. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I was doing yeah. like theme from Star Wars and Feel uh, So Good and all that. Yeah, I didn't get close to anything like that. But um, I still have my trumpet. And wow. uh, it was my parents bought it from somebody at church that was it was old then in 1970 and i still have it <laughs> you should I'm like just about as good on it now as i was back then <laughs> you should put it like in a trophy case and hang it on the wall and you know start a little music room kind of give uh, charlie some inspiration yeah. there you know she'll see that trumpet hanging on the wall and she'll want to practice more on the cello and you know you there's should, my horn there, right. there's daddy's horn up there right there's daddy's horn I mean, you got a few kids. You got a whole horn section if you want. Right. Oh, I got it. Yeah. I got enough to at least have, uh, you know, the Partridge family revisited. That's maybe what I'd do a Partridge family tribute, Ben. When did this happen that that uh, I'm going to cover a bunch of songs from one band and now we're a tribute band instead of a cover band? Yeah, that's what I want to know, too. Uh, no, you're a cover band. You are and a cover half band. The time, believe me, you ain't paying tribute. <laughs> I um well there were Beatles tribute bands, right? Where they would dress up like the Beatles. 
Sure. And there's yeah. Kiss tribute bands where they dress up like Kiss. No, that's Kiss themselves. They they pay tribute to themselves every night. <laughs> oh, oh, Lloyd. You hurt <laughs> That's me. actually Kiss. Hey, that's only fair to, to, for him to uh, bop you in the in the head with that Kiss bat after you insulted Who else is in a, who, What other kind of tribute band is there? There's Aside tribute from band Kiss for and, almost every group you oh, can yeah. think of. We're My giving, point is that you have to dress up like the band and play their music in order to be a tribute band. You don't have to dress. I mean, if they if they're not into costumes, you don't dress up like the band, do you? Then you're a cover band, man, and I don't care. Uh, look, I can go down the list and tell you what we're giving away tickets for here in Austin. There's Killer Queen, Europe's greatest tribute band to Queen. There's uh, Brit Floyd, <laughs> Britain's greatest tribute. They're actually doing a. Um, the 2018 Eclipse Tour, 45 years of Dark Side of the Moon. That's actually coming to Austin as a tribute band. It's not a cover band. It's a tribute band. But it's a fucking cover band at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it always is. They're, they're a cover band. I'm thinking about doing a tribute band to Nelson. What do you think? <laughs> no, that's a good idea. Because, you know, all I got to do is throw on a blonde wig yeah. and uh, have at it. Mm-hmm. What was that song, Love and Emotion? I yes, know, is that a, I believe is that it was. Song? I'm going to take your word you for it. You got those, uh, what is it, Iron Maidens? After yeah, those are the best. After the rain. Female Iron Maidens. Iron Maidens. Bands. Yes, those are so great. So I need to have something that's some kind of all-male Vixen tribute band. Well, she's got the leather on, okay? I mean, listen, <laughs> if you go out and you look like Bruce Dickinson and you want to do an Iron Maiden cover band, as long as you look like Bruce and you got Eddie in there somewhere, then you're a tribute band. But the second you take off the costume, it doesn't matter how many songs in a row you play of one guy. You're a you're a cover band. You have to put cost. So if Killer Queen, if they if the guy comes out with a mustache and oh, buck yeah. teeth, then that's great. He's that, doing that's that. What I'm saying he is doing that. All right. So, so that's, that's the so difference. That's a tribute. That's a tribute. Okay. Band. The tribute band is where you try to look somewhat like the original band. Is right. That, is that your uh, I'm following you, Drew. Yeah, I'm following you, Drew. As opposed to being a, just a yeah, cover if, band. If you, if you go and wear, if you go right. and wear satin, you know, captain's uniforms, and you play Beatles records with your mustache, then you're a tribute band. If you get up in your jeans and your t-shirt and you sing "Let It Be," you're a cover band. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if I wear my little captain's hat, then I can be a captain and Tennille. Right, that's what I was thinking. Band. I was thinking that same thing when he said captain. Or if I was, you get two long blonde wigs, you can be a Nelson tribute right. band. Well, it's kind of funny you brought that up because I don't know if you, I'm sure you did see this story, Drew, but um, Paul Stanley says that Kiss should carry on even after he and Gene retire because Kiss is a concept. Now, he's calling it a concept and not a band. So he's basically saying... Once they're he's tired, right, Dad, it's not a band. Well, he is right. So, what do you think about that? He's basically saying Gene and and Paul can check out, but you know, someone else can put on the uh, the costume and carry it on as as the group Kiss, not a tribute band, but you know, Kiss the band out on tour for the next generations. Does nobody believe that Kiss is a business and not a band? Because they've been a business for a long time. I think they were a band up until maybe nineteen eighty one. Maybe I don't know. Some Kiss fans no, are saying, "No, no, you're more right. than right, right past that." I, I think when they took the mask my, off, my that's when it became a business. When they put the makeup, when they put the makeup back on, is when they became a business. Mm-hmm. And 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 so 
it's no surprise that they want to continue uh, making money off of their brand after they can't do it physically themselves. I just don't see why that's a, I mean, I understand why people would go, well, that's crazy, but I understand why they're doing it. Don't you? I mean, it's been, it's a business. From Gene Simmons standpoint, I understand it. But I mean, to me, look, I'll tell you as a teenager, Rock and Roll Over was one of the first albums I ever bought. I mean, I really look forward to going to this Kiss concert, but I knew I was going to see Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter. Now I'm just going to go see, I mean, who the fuck knows who's going to be wearing the makeup? I mean, if, if I would be like, no, it's it's not the same to me. So, but I was there at the beginning. So to me, I, I don't, I, I kind of frown upon this idea, but if someone just yeah, wants to go right. to the show to be entertained, then sure, then have at it. But to me, Look, you are, yeah, you are not going to get those smoking hot bass riffs from someone other than Gene Simmons. And who's got a tongue I, like I, Gene Simmons? Kidding? I think what people are envisioning is that it's a Kiss branded tribute band that tours the world as Kiss, and and it and it uh, they expect their fans to come out and see that. And I think what what they're maybe getting at is that down the line you'll be able to go and see quote kiss at a vegas show right and it's branded as kiss and it's a kiss experience you know experience where you get to see you know the history of it maybe you walk through some kind of hallway and then you see you know the official kiss band right and it can be and that can go on forever i think that's i think that's kind of where maybe they're going with i this. think I they think should do it gonna- in vegas because i mean like you said you can go see elvis tributes and you can see all the rat pack tributes out mm-hmm. there but yeah, I mean, if if you're going to do it, do it in Vegas. But to tour all over the world and brand it as, hey, you're going to get to see Kiss tonight, I mm, I, I don't think so. It's it's going to be yeah, a trick. Yeah, the missile. Yeah. I think you, I think you, I think you, I think Gene would be smart. I think the band would be smart if they opened a Kiss hotel in Las Vegas where Kiss played every weekend. And it can be whoever the hell's in the band. Because these guys are going to be dead in 10 or 15 years anyway. I can't believe we got seven and a half minutes of conversation about Kiss with Lyle engaged. Oh, I'm not that engaged. I kept thinking about my Millie Vanilli tribute band. (laughs) (laughs) I can fake it with the rest of them. Back in the 2012 days, uh, we we brought up Screaming Ben Bennett. And, And now how old is he? Six. So screaming Ben Bennett is six. He's in first grade. Mm-hmm. I'm well, kind of kindergarten. He'll be in first grade next year. I'm kind of curious. Did they allow a walkout for kindergarten for, you know, to protest the gun thing? Because it, it was definitely in middle school. So I was, I was just kind of curious how far down the line it went. Did it go first grade kindergarten? Because it was definitely middle school at, a couple of schools here in Austin. And I understand San Antonio is going to have a few coming up next week. So I was just kind of curious how far it went down. My daughter goes to school. We would get an email about that. You know what I'm saying? They would tell us. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get an email about any kind of walkout with my kid. The principal sent out an email after it happened. I mean, they kind of knew it was going to happen, but she sent out an email to parents saying it was very well organized and there was no problems. And, how proud she was to be their principal. And I was like, wow, I got to tell you, that's kind of ballsy for a principal because there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people, especially in Texas, going like, wait a minute, 
you allowed the kids to walk outside to do a protest and i will tell you that my daughter did do the protest and she asked me could she and i gave her my blessing i said absolutely go for it did you give her your gun i i told her to leave the gun at home that day i mean i don't i don't see the i don't see the issue with whatever you know listen i mean if you want to go and protest something and it's an organized and peaceful thing i I don't really care who who does it. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a big deal now. This is not the era of protest. You know, right. I come from the uh, the era of streaking. Can you imagine if that went on now? There was a streaker <laughs> no, in the Olympics. No, I think we touched on that. But, <laughs> what sucks uh, is that we're not going to get any good music out of this. No, but I'm just saying that, you know, when you come from an era of protest and then that goes away and now you now it it starts again. It's just a weird thing because life is so much different than the than the era of protest that I know, meaning the '60s. That um, you know, it's just it's a wild thing now because uh, I mean, I'm surprised they don't say, "Well, we have to have so many chaperones per student, right, for a protest." Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a different time, but I have to say, and I don't know why this was kind of the the final straw, but these kids on CNN, all of a sudden Delta's backing away from the NRA and United and Hertz and Enterprise. And a lot of these businesses are finally going like, ah, no more discounts for you members. So do we see some really strong kids out there that's finally uh, standing up and, and, you know, making people take notice, at least our politicians who can change some of these, uh, these gun well, laws. Good luck on that. Well, I don't Two know. I don't know, uh, man. I think you have corporate partners that leave just because they think it's bad for business. Yeah. If they thought it was good for business, they'd stay. They don't care. Um, but I think that uh, once again, I don't know if you guys have heard this before. Something I came up with just the other day when I was in thought. Okay, I've been hyperventilating on the back in my rubber pants, but um, children are our future. Don't I know that's a weird concept. I noticed both of you were a little quiet there. Generation, to think about it. Generation Z is what uh, we're talking about. Children are our future. If you finish this Whitney Houston lyric, I'm hanging up the phone right now. <laughs> I'm not going to finish it. I just, I because it's mine. What are you talking about? Who's Whitney? Who? Yeah, Whitney now, Houston. Is that the cotton gin? Yeah. Who are you talking about here? Right. <laughs> or is that the steam engine? Which one Whitney is the. <laughs> Oh, is that the sewing machine Not or the even. light bulb? I mean, I can't remember, but um, <laughs> no, I want, I want, I would, I always wait for the 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 youth to rise up and say, "Enough, screw you, helicopter parent." Uh, as long as you still pay my cell phone bill, I thought screw it was you. good. I thought it was good. I mean, I mean, I, I want them to do that. I want them to do more of it. I was really proud of those kids in Florida. I, I was very am. proud. Of, I mean, when they were standing there face to face with Rubio, who got three and a half million dollars from the NRA, and it's like, hey, man, say you're not going to, you know, back say these guys. You're not going to take the money. Right. And he couldn't do it. He would not do it. Of course it. he couldn't do it. So I, 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 and it was extremely embarrassing. It's the same thing. These, all these people are wooden. And they, they know they can't back down because they feel like they're going to alienate too much of their constituency and they won't get elected. So uh, reelected. And that's my that's my point is with so many of these people, term limits. You know, Congress, if you look at the way Congress was designed, the House of Representatives 
It's there to change over every two years. It's supposed to be the voice of the people. And yet you get when you see these guys that have been in the house for 20, 30, whatever, they have to run constantly. Their term is only for two years. You're right. They're supposed to be change all the time. It's supposed to be. It's set up so that humble L.A. Lloyd could take a couple of years off and go and work with government for a while, and then he was out. Yeah. Because he couldn't afford to stay any longer than that, and then he's back in. This happens with uh, on, in Texas on the, on the state level, same thing. If you're in the state house or you're in the Senate, you don't get paid much money, but if you stay there long enough, your pension is is incredible, hmm. and that's what you get for your for for the you know the duration of your life. I mean, we got this guy here, Carlos Uresti, that just got convicted on eleven felony counts, and he's got other stuff going on. Dude's in line for you don't make any money when you're actually doing the job, but then after that, dude's in line already for an eighty thousand dollar a year pension. Wow. Because he's been doing this for 20 years. I are didn't you know that, about this until a few years ago. Are you saying that Mitch McConnell has worn out his welcome? Excuse me? <laughs> are you saying that Mitch McConnell has worn out his welcome? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> but everybody looks and they go, well, I've been in the house for this. No, you're supposed to be in the house for two, four years at most. We need to term limit these people out. Get rid of them. I'm excited about how many how many how many people are interested in that job in the first place. Oh, believe me, there are plenty of them. But isn't it just a small group of people with some kind of a mental issue that that you know, with the exception of just a few people, isn't it? Don't don't you have to have some kind of a don't you have to have some kind of a screw loose? You know, I honestly elementary school that you wanted to hit. Um, that's it. Of course, it is. To me, the spark was relit. I mean. I grew up in a very political family. My father's run for office and I enjoyed it in my teenage years. I really did. It was, it was fun. It was exciting. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, pulling for the Spurs or for the Longhorns. You, you had your team, you had team Republican or team Democrat or whoever you were going for. And it was really exciting. I mean, you really build up to, it was almost like going to the Super Bowl for election days. Like you work your ass off, you hang posters for your candidate. And I did this all in my teenage years. And then I kind of got out of it once I got in the radio. But I have to tell you, these kids in Florida really sparked me again to get back involved in politics. And I'm not going to say I'm going to run for an office, but I definitely would, I would go out and find a candidate that I like and Good I would go on and that. support it. I, I know. And I believe me, I will do my homework before I vote, but I would love to find a candidate that I could get behind and, and really go out for some rallies and, and get back into politics again, because I really thought those kids invigorated me. They, they did. And I was excited about politics again. And, and I got that. And I hate that it was, it took such a tragic circumstance to maybe me too reignite your passion. I but, agree. And, and for years I was not in, in favor of term limits because I thought if somebody's doing a great job, why can't they keep doing it? Um, but then you realize, well, you kind of have to sacrifice a few for the good of everyone. And I'm telling you, we need term limits with all these motherfuckers. Yeah. And I don't say that very often, but we need term limits with all of them. 
There's no reason why a Nancy Pelosi should be in office as long as she has. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you name. I mean, you know, just anybody in the House. There's absolutely no reason for them to be there longer than two terms. Well, it doesn't that was look why it was set up that way. It was set up so that it would. Because people couldn't got to think back then things were agrarian. You couldn't take much time off from what you were doing. So that was supposed to be like, you know, that was the people's house. It, it moved. You, you do a couple of years, you're out. You know, you're a scuff log. People know that. Then you're out. You're a drunk. You're out. You're OK. OK, well, another couple of years. But then you're out because you couldn't afford to do otherwise. And in the Senate, you had six year terms. You could oversee things a little bit more. One of these long termers. Diane Feinstein is not going to get uh, the backing from California. She's been there, God, when I was living out in L.A. You talk about a, a person who's been in office forever, but it uh, looks like her own party has turned on her. So, yeah, the, 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 you know, the, the state Dems there in California yeah. are not, uh, not thrilled because right. enough is enough. And I think that's true with all these people. I see an uprising. I, I feel very much, like you said, it's, it sucks that a tragedy had to invigorate me but i hope it does invigorate at least people to look at 2018's coming there's a primary here there's a general election coming there are some major elections in our state in texas and hopefully Dude, we can get next tuesday <laughs> hopefully we can get fuckheads like dan patrick the fuck out of office somehow some way at least that's number one on my hit list to get him the fuck out and it looks like, you know, Ted Cruz is 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 up for a battle, too. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Cruz posters here in Austin. Of course, I live in Austin, but I mean, I haven't seen a lot of people that. Uh, well, no, his battle is not for the nominee. His, his battle is not here in the primaries. It'll be maybe in the general. Um, looks like this so Beto or Beto have. guys is the is the Austin choice. Is it Beto? Yeah. Seems like he's yeah, the guy Beto. that everyone seems to love up here. So we're we're hoping we're hoping, but, but it's it's tough because it's a statewide office and nobody's no Democrats been elected to statewide office since uh, Ann Richards was governor. So it's been a long, long time. Long, uh, long. Two time. million kids are going to um, be able to vote for the first time this next election. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the I did this post. I, I lost more more followers on Twitter just because I. Um, said, you know, a little bit of uh, applauding the kids and, you know, enough's enough. Fuck these assault weapons. And boy, the NRA just came out. And some of these people I thought were kind of like friends. Boy, unfollow, unfollow, drop you, fuck what you, course. kiss my ass, you piece of shit. It's my, you're coming right. for my gun. No, we're not. We're not coming for your gun. Well, they don't understand, dude. You just want to get down on knee and say, dude, we may have our differences, but I'm a redneck too. D- exactly. I'm a redneck. I don't own shotguns it? and pistols and 22 rifles, but I just don't need an assault weapon. Not that I'm going to go out and kill any deer with any gun because I don't hunt, but I, I don't mind people that anymore, do that anymore. Right? Anymore, I have. But I just don't do it anymore. But if you need an assault weapon to kill a deer, to slaughter a deer, if you need 30 bullets, you need to fucking give that gun up and go back to the shooting range because you're I'm a, you're a shitty shot. shot. Though, Lloyd. I, I'm a terrible shot. But you don't can, need to but... fucking have a magazine of 30 bullets to kill a fucking deer. You just don't. You just suck. Well, that's not, you know, as well as I do, that's not what it's about, dude. You know, it's about firepower. 
if I got uh, over 400 cubic inches of engine, it's not about, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what I really need to get up to 60. Right. I like it. It's power. It's yeah. not about, you know, and that's what yeah, it you're is. Right. You're right. But, you, you know, when it comes to the gun thing, you're, we're, we're way too armed. Not going to happen. Way too armed. I think I, I, maybe I mentioned this the last time we were together. I don't remember, but we've got 5% of the population and, you know, the U.S. does the world population and we have 40% of the firearms. <laughs> um, wow. But I, I, I just think politically, if people are looking for a political solution, then term limits help you a lot. Right. So that people aren't, you're turning over people all the time. And I think it, it's harder for special interests to get involved because once you get these people in there that are career politicians, think about it. If they get voted out, they don't know what to do. They've been in politics for so long. Yeah. This is how they support themselves. And of course, they always leave richer because of all the connections they've made. And just like all these people that immediately turn into lobbyists because they know that's where the big dough is and they know everything works, term limits, man. Send them out. Be done. Because uh, between gerrymandering and special interest, it's very, very difficult to have any true political change. I agree uh, with you, but do you think whatever. it's going to happen? The constituents are there. People will say whatever. But, uh, I mean, really, how silly was it for the president to say, well, let's just go ahead and you know, arm those school teachers. Uh, and I love—I saw something somewhere where somebody goes, "Yeah, imagine you're a—you're the black school teacher with a gun." <laughs> there's an incident at school. Yeah, what do you think your chances of survival are? Right. Imagine you're standing there with a gun, and the SWAT team comes through the front door, and you're st <laughs> you're standing there with a 38 special. But this stuff is just so—it's gotten so incredibly silly when there's no common sense prevailing you know lloyd i think you ought to quit whatever you're doing man and run for office that's what i think you know what um when i went back to north carolina i went there for 10 days and i spent some time on on the farm got out of the city did some manual labor you know really took me back to my childhood when i was living there and just a lot of weird things have happened that I'm really excited about politics again. And I know that sounds crazy because it's so separated Republican Democrat. And I, you know, and I I'll go out there and tell you, I'm still sticking with the, the party that I was raised on the Republicans, even though I don't feel like I relate to anything the GOP has going on right now. I'm definitely somewhere in the middle, but I haven't, uh, jumped over to the Democrat ship because I think they're weak and powerless too. So I find myself somewhere in the middle, but I'm still affiliated with the Republican party. Which is, which is really funny because, <clears throat> excuse me, the Republican party in North Carolina at the time when Lloyd was getting involved in his father's campaign and whatnot was extremely weak. It was very weak. Um, not the case now, but at that time, yeah. We elected the first Republican governor in 100 years when I was 14, 15 years old. So, again, James Holzhauser. Right. Imagine, you know, you go through this entire 100 years of a, a state that was fully Democratic, 
you're raised Republican, you're, you know, Lincoln's party, you're the party of Lincoln, blah, blah, blah. And in North Carolina, and then finally we get a governor elected and I'm 14 and I'm going like, wow, this is, this is great. I should, I should really get into politics. I really love it. And then I kind of went away and then I've always, well, yeah, you went away to Western Carolina and that's usually <laughs> not where the pedigree is fine tuned. Right. <laughs> a little more liberal over there in the mountains, if you can believe that. They got a lot more pot in the western part of North Carolina than they do in the eastern part. I can tell you that. I, I, I you know, I mean, I just, I wish you the best of luck. With Thank that, you. I, I might make yeah. you my campaign manager, and at least I'll get you to do my spots for it. And I'll just well, say, you know, I approve uh, this message. Thank you, John Lyle. I think I, I was trying to remember some of the first campaigns I worked on, and Zach Galifianakis, oh, his yeah. uncle. Nick Galifianakis was a congressman. I worked on his campaign a little bit. Um, just as a child, just putting out flyers or whatnot, which I think is really good to get kids. And my, I'm telling you, Charlie, my 12-year-old, she is so politically aware. But she's also aware of the fact that she goes to school in Bernie, in Kendall County, and most of the kids she goes to school with are very conservative because their parents are. Absolutely. Very religious and very conservative. Well, I'm inspired. And she's, and she's neither. I'm inspired. <laughs> I, I am inspired by kids. I mean, and, and again, it's only Florida and they should be mad and they should be angry. But to stand down face to face, eye to eye with with Rubio, I, I just got invigorated. I, I it really isn't did. only Florida. It's, it's, it's nationwide. But the only time I've seen the youth really get excited about a candidate is, is when, you know, the millennials went for Bernie Sanders. And then, of course, he even got fucked over by his party. And so I think they just said, well, fuck it, man. It's just, is this how corrupt the shit is? And Trump gets elected and, you know, so. Well, that's what it is. It's also attention span. You know, you have to be able to. <laughs> to that's the toughest thing like for for all people to learn patience and that it if you're gonna have political change it takes time yeah it's kind of a slow thing sometimes you can have a movement but um i mean if you start thinking about political movements over the last 10 15 years what do you come up with um they're all you know tea party it's mainly conservative stuff right um but that's what, you know, if you can get to people into activism, that was always the knock that always pissed me off on Barack Obama. Well, he was a community organizer. Mm. Yeah. How, how, awful, how awful is that? You're trying to um, get people to go out and vote, to go out and advocate for themselves. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't have that. Um, somehow you should just pipe down. I don't, don't think these I don't think these organized. kids will pipe down. I mean, like I said, I, I think there's anger. I think there's hurt. I think there's emotions that have got these kids invigorated. And like I said, some of them obviously who are doing walkouts and protests aren't even close to voting age. But by 2020, they might be. And some even in 2018 might be. So, again, that's what I posted on Facebook. I was like. Be alert of who turns 18 this year, uh, gentlemen and ladies, because guess what? They might be voting against you. But see, that's where you're wrong, dude. This is what I told Kinky Friedman when he was running for governor. And he said, I got a lot of young people behind me. And I said, you know, the problem, Kinky, is that they'll talk it. They'll talk all about it. And you can get a lot of college students 
students and it seems like they're behind me. They're there. They don't go out and vote. Well, I don't they know. They just don't do it. They did for Barack Obama, though. They they, they got don't. behind. That was the, but they that got was behind. one time, but you could have had more, but usually they don't. And until we change the way we vote, um, I don't think you're going to get the numbers you well, need. Well, I still believe if Bernie Sanders had won the primary and ran against Trump, he would have won president. I, I I really do. I still believe that. I think the millennials would have put him in office. I think there's. I don't m- think so. Well, no, I just don't think that they that they go out and really they they talk the game, but then they don't really go out and do anything. And you got to remember, with Barack Obama, it was only in 2008 that they did that. They didn't do it in 2012. They did it in 2008. That is so, true, and, and that's because. The Obama campaign really, really organized the social media side of things. Obama and I are, and I are about the same age. Drew, how about the Gen Xers, man? Who are they going for? You know, <laughs> you're a Gen Xer, I, man. Uh, Who's the Gen Xers going for? I don't think the Gen Xers care. We never did. They got it. <laughs> you can't say whatever, dude. The Gen Xers are a huge population. I mean, I was not a baby boomer. I wasn't really a Gen Xer. I was kind of a tweener myself. So, you know, I don't really relate to we any. We were the first generation to realize we were given a sack of nuts <laughs> from the from the baby boomer generation. You know what I mean? We were disenchanted when we were 18. I'm at the tail end of it, but thank you. You're welcome. I, I'm just kind of curious where Gen X stands in this. I mean, the millennials kind of had their Bernie, you know, Gen, I mean, Gen X to me should be the next about, generation that gonna... really should rise up and go like, okay, man, we're, we're next. I mean, I had Obama, you know, I had kind of Clinton, no, but think it that. doesn't, it doesn't think matter. That, but it's not going to be like that. No, no, no. You're going to have half of the people who are, you know, pro gun and, and pro possession of, of firearms and then you're going to have people in Gen X who uh, who uh, are polar opposite. I don't think it's going to be uh, this big uh, group of Gen Xers who are against. Uh, Gen X should at least get pot legalized. If they do anything no, for I your mean, generation, I, I, get well, it. Well, we're, we're getting closer than we. I mean, I thought 40 years ago that as soon as these you know old guys were out, pot would be legal. That was 40 years ago. Yeah. Over 40 years ago. Um, and slow, I mean like 45 years ago and slowly we're getting there. I I watched, uh, I watched a Woody Allen, uh, Billy Graham, uh, interview from 1972 where they talked about being hopeful for marijuana legalization. Yeah. I thought it was only a matter of time before, you know, the older people were gone and that it was done. But then a lot of these younger people that maybe advocated it for, uh, advocated for it at one time, then they, they changed their tune. They flipped. And, uh, you know, you got guys like freaking Bill Clinton, you know, I, I, I didn't inhale. <laughs> what is that nonsense? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, just it's it's just um, like you can always say, I mean, I don't know how many people who have really been die who have died because they collided with a driver on the highway who was high versus drunk. No, Um but the that's just is that one you're of right. many things. I thought after Vietnam, I'd never see us in any kind of quagmire like that ever again. Here and how are. long have we been in, in <laughs> Afghanistan? Yeah, I think how individually your politics your politics change over time, and 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 your values change over time. 
And so I don't think that you can predict what an entire generation of people are going to do. Absolutely not. It's always easy to to feel like you're going to be active for a certain cause until you start making some money, you have children, um, you have investments, and then everybody changes. Because they don't want to, they don't want to lose theirs. Oh, I worked so hard to get mine. Well, you sound like a fiscally conservative Republican there. All of a sudden, who has liberal uh, liberal agendas? Like, well, I'm pro life, but I'm for the death penalty. But I've got my 401k, and I don't want to really give anything to that fucking scumbag over there who wants a handout. So yeah, and then everybody is, you know, and they all of a sudden before it seemed like you you were there for the plight of your your brother, but right. then later on it's like, no, this is what I've amassed, and I don't want anybody to touch it. I don't. Plenty want anybody of people to touch that lived in the '60s, you know, throwing up flowers of peace signs. Yeah, that ended up hanging up on Wall Street later on in their life, right? Plenty of them. I just think it changes over time. There's so much hypocrisy going back and forth about who you are. Um, I, I really think there is a middle of the United States. You're not right. You're not left. And maybe this is where this purple thing is coming. Like, uh, Texas is becoming a purple state. Okay. Maybe we are. Maybe we aren't. I've always been kind of purple my whole life. I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, like I said, but... You kind of have to pick your agenda. You have to pick your team. And going back to what I said earlier, in November, when the Super Bowl comes around, you got to rally for your team. You got to rally for your guy. You got to rally for your woman. And, and so it's kind of hard sometimes to make that decision. Hang on a second. The only I time Greg Abbott on the phone. Hang on. I need to take this call. <laughs> I think the only time that, the, uh, that, the, that a generation is consistent politically and has some value there is when the world is at war. And I think we can look at World War II and that generation right. as a generation that worked together for a political purpose that, that, that lasted. You know, we can look at that generation now and go, well, they saved the world. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think every other generation beyond that, I think you can look at the 60s anyway as a great example and say, well, this was a time of protest and a time of, of uh, political uh, upheaval uh, but it, but later on down the line, these people moved off into different places. Some, some of them stayed liberal. Some of them moved off, and became conservatives, Yeah, you know, libertarians and whatever. I, I just don't think that any generation beyond the greatest generation. I have a feeling that a, that a lot of hippies are now Trump people. I really do. I don't know why, but I think well, a lot I mean, of these guys are Trump people now who wears free love, free drugs, Oh, yeah. But I, think, I mean, you can't compare World War II and what went on with that after not uh, with with, say, a Vietnam, which was just exhaustive. Right. Like how long Vietnam lasted versus yeah. our involvement in World War Two. Um, you know, it was just one of these things that you thought we'd never get into. again. I will not so- send any more of our boys over there to fight an Asian war. Yeah, I mean, it didn't threaten our existence. It was just political. Yeah. Um, so I well, haven't you know, the rest of them I, beyond I that gotten that exactly way. Right. And that's the reason why I always felt like if you're going to have these, whatever you're getting into, then you need to have conscription and you've got to have the draft so that everybody's looking at something. So they got skin in the game. 
Um, and that's the only way to do it because otherwise these things drag on forever and you don't think about it anymore because it's not front page, because it's not something that you see on your site. When was the last time you pulled up? I don't care. I watch, I, 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 I pay attention to the daily beast, tough post, um, Yahoo, whatever. When was the last time you saw a story about the U S and Iraq or Afghanistan? Honestly, you don't see it. No, you, you don't. see none of it. Nope. It just fades. So you forget you forget about it. Because all you see are Trump hijinks. But the, there's still these people that are there. And, and years ago, I used to be really pissed off because I thought these kids are there and and um, putting their life on the line. And they think maybe that the country is aware of this or they're behind them or they're paying attention. And the answer was, no, they left this a long time ago. They're not paying attention to any of this. Now, the military families, of course, do. Right. That's what I was about to say. It's gone. But we're still there. So as long as the Soviets were bogged down in Afghanistan and we thought, hey, that's great. You know, it's it's bogged them down and they're not getting anywhere. And we're going to sit there and arm the Mujahideen and whatever. Doesn't matter. We've been there far longer. <laughs> We're doing the same thing. But, we, you know, I think ours is, is strategic as well. I mean, you know, beyond, be, otherwise we wouldn't be there. They could just go and let it all collapse. It's all strategic, but um, way too long, far, far too long. And where, where are the people talking about that? Where are the people talking about, you know, enough? Let's get oh. out of this crap. There's plenty of people still talking about Iraq. Well, where are they? That U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe that our ed- education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. That's what you get. That was really nice. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Look, Iraq. let me tell you something. Those kids in Florida spoke <laughs> way better than whoever that was you just played there, Drew. I that was great, but thank you for adding that to the no, show. I still, that was I Miss Teen USA two thousand seven. Is that who that was? <laughs> yes. I had no idea. You the don't fuck remember you, that? I don't remember that. That's why you had the sound down while you were choking it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's true. But if, no, I, I mean, I was, I was um, very encouraged by the kids in, in, uh, in South Florida, and um, I want more of that. A major worldwide global icon passed away this week, and uh, I, I think that me personally, a guy who I admire and respected, uh, passed away, Billy Graham, and I, I just feel like I need to at least acknowledge him in this podcast before we shut it down today. I, I, I thought he was an amazing man. I think his son, not so much because he's in bed with Trump. But, you know, I, I thought Billy managed to ride it out his entire life. He was with a lot of high profile politicians and presidents, etc. But he always managed to keep that in the middle thing. He never got too political. Franklin is all up Trump's ass right now, which kind of pisses me off because I think that Billy's legacy is going to go to shit because Franklin 
is doing the thing with Trump. So because Franklin is a POS. Well, so yes, Billy I hate- Graham. For those of us in North Carolina, we knew Bill- Billy Graham all of our lives. Right. And, um, around for a long time i don't know about the whole i was talking to my 80 soon to be 86 year old mother mm-hmm. lifelong southern baptist about billy in the rotunda and she didn't know how she felt about that right and then um we went on from that to of course smack franklin but uh billy was okay i gotta say uh, beyond the religious stuff i love what he did with the Fillmore. I thought uh, <laughs> Fillmore West. I thought he did a great job with that. Um, he brought us some great rock music. <laughs> oh my God! Sorry. <laughs> did you did you ever get to see Billy live? Did you ever get to see Billy live in concert? Because I got to see him uh, once. No, the last time he was here in San Antonio was uh, 21 years ago in 1997, and uh, I didn't go. And I, I'm not a very religious guy. I and mean, you know that, Lloyd. I, I mean, know I that. True knows that. But, uh, you know, I was raised in the church and everything right. else. And yeah, Billy Graham was a big deal. And then there he was. But, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the biggest thing on Billy Graham, there are certain things that he did when he appealed to Soviets. He would, you know, reach out to, you know, kind of even though. In China. Presidents loved him and were there. He would reach out to areas that weren't exactly uh that were political hot potatoes and and he'd go ahead and try it but you know i mean there's another one that dude just like your your was it your great aunt i mean 99 99 they were born the same year just passed away he was there yeah but i just wish he had i wish he had figured out a way to get rid of franklin yeah franklin (laughs) Uh, you know, whatever he built up is just being it's going to get taken away quickly by his son, Franklin. Well, the great thing about Billy is, uh, and like I said, the coffin he's in was built by prisoners. It's a pine coffin. It's very simple. And just like Ruth, just yeah. like Ruth, same way. And and I have to say, I, I admire that about Billy. If that's the way you're going to go out, that you're doing that. I mean, I thought that was really amazing. And and like I said, I don't think is. Osteen's going to go out in a pine coffin or any of the other super evangelists uh, from oh, here on out. Lord, you're wrong. I have already picked out my simple pine coffin that I will be. Sorry, that's my Joel Osteen impression. That was nice. Well, God bless um, you. Well, it's yeah. a pleasure to be in your house. I always like to start out with something funny. Yeah, but I mean, imagine being 99 and you're still being called Billy. Billy. Um, at some point do you say, just call me William or right, Bill right. instead of the diminutive, um, you're still, you're 99 and being called Billy. Well, he was a great man. I applaud him. I thought he lived a great life. I'd love to see more people like that. And he's, uh, inspired me. So I, I, I pay tribute to him on Beaver Kool-Aid, the dirtiest podcast out there. Kind of. Well, we're certainly not the dirtiest, but it's it's so wild that probably the only one that paid tribute to uh well to Billy the rock slant to yeah. uh, Billy Graham. Yeah. You want to get politically active? You want to do something uh, tomorrow? Yes. Quit eating Papa John's pizza. Wow. Why is that? 
because Lou's got a uh, Lou. I keep saying Lou. Drew's got a lead lead pipe up his ass for the Papa John's guy. Well, he's got some bad plastic surgery. I'll start right there, and then you can pick it up, Drew. Well, no, listen. The 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 reason that he's in the news is because the NFL and Papa John's have mutually ended their co sponsorship or whatever. Uh, and Papa John's is still going to hold you know sponsorship deals with twenty two of the thirty two NFL teams. So they're gonna they're still gonna reach, you know, their uh their eaters that way. But the reason that they that they severed their relationship, they they called it mutual. And it's because Steve Ritchie said that the handling NFL's handling of the, you know, the protest of the individual players during the national anthem, uh, he equated that, or rather connected it, to declining sales of his pizza. How is that possible? Yeah, All right, it's called, so it's like it's called taste. Um, yeah, really. really so we're a pizza on the market. It's about the declining sales of your pizza, right? Taste because your pizza sucks. Let me let me just drop a little wisdom on you there, bud. Everybody still goes to Chick Fil A because the chicken's good. But my point is that <laughs> is that uh, Steve Ritchie's a he's a douchebag. All right, and he always has been. This is the same guy who who, who didn't want to pay any of his people and said he was going to have to raise the price of his pizza. And, da, 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 da. and now they finally got booted out of the NFL because he said that uh, declining pizza sales were a result of the national anthem and how it was handled in the NFL. He's a fucking idiot. Quit eating his pizza. That's my. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, Sorry, I couldn't be go. funny about it. He's just a fucking dumbass. Well, don't have to be. I don't think anybody was funny. But uh, I don't think there's been anything really funny about this entire podcast. But I will say, occasionally, this was some really intelligent conversation. Well, I don't know if intelligence is the right word. I thought it was an engaging conversation that there was a lot of stuff I wanted to get off my chest. And I felt like I was able to do it today. And I know we haven't done a podcast in three weeks. We did one last week, but... Um, hey, listen, it's all my fault. I'm we didn't sorry, do it. No, it was my fault. I flew in. I was tired. I mean, it was just, look, there's oh, sometimes you fault. have to shelve it. I was doing heroin. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, I was in HEB, and I saw an Instant Pot for... Oh. <laughs> 75 got it. and I didn't know if that was a good buy or not. Did That's- you hear that some of them are melting? Yeah, I did see that, but uh, and they, they and the and the company was not really there. They want to yeah. try to figure it out. But I saw that, you know, because you brought that to my. Is seventy five bucks a good price, Lloyd? I didn't know how much you put. Absolutely, in. that's a great price. Like, man, how, how much? How much is it worth to burn down your house? Seventy five bucks. Eighty. <laughs> well, I mean, everything has. I just I don't know if I'll use it or not. You know, it's either that or a dryer or fryer. Um, I don't know if I'll use that either, but I'd see this a lot of these, you know, the Instant Pot is sold so much that there are a lot of different recipes there. So I didn't really know. I saw a commercial for one the other day and the girl's like, you can even make rice. I'm like, you know what else you can do? Put some fucking water in a pan, stick the bag in it. Yeah, you can put it in a saucepan and make rice, but uh, the Instant Pot, Drew, don't, don't be such a hater, man. What do you have (laughs) over the... You know, the instant pot over a saucepan. I just think it's I mean, a way. You know, listen, it's just like anything else. It's it's the next thing, right? It's the next thing to take up space on your counter. That's a George Foreman grill. It's the this. Right. It's the that. You know, right. I don't. It's the copper know, fucking I, pan. It's I'm just like with you. I got it, man. I got an oven. I got a cooktop, you know? Yeah. That's all and you I need. can make everything work. I don't need a special little device to make it happen. Yeah. Though I will say, a crock pot will do things you can't do. And either. You're right. 
So, I mean. Get yourself an iron skillet, a pan, and a crock pot. <laughs> and quit buying the ninja bullshit that they try to sell you online. <laughs> I'm not a big slow cooker fan, but I know that there's nothing else that I can put on and leave all day and not worry about it. Now, I'm with you on the crock pot. Let me tell you this. While you guys were just talking about the crock pot, I turned my mic off, went and took a piss, came back, and jumped right back into the conversation and never missed a fucking beat. What happened, Lyle, while we were sitting there talking, he went into the kitchen, made an entire seven-course meal in his Instapot, beef stroganoff, came back, took a piss on it. And that's how you do a beaver Kool-Aid. I will go to your party and I will tear it up. Really? Beaver Kool-Aid. Get it hard. With Lyle, L.A. Lloyd, and Drew. Make it like a man. So go ahead, stick your head up your ass. <laughs>